I am so glad to have all of you with us at all of our live churches, at all of our network churches. We love partnering with you guys. Those of you who are joining us from countries all over the world at Church Online, uh, we're glad that you're here. I'm wondering at all of our locations, is there anybody maybe that's ready to get a little bit weird in the place? Very, very good. If, uh, if you missed last week, let me kind of review. Uh, we're talking about weird because normal isn't working. We looked last week at the teachings of Jesus where he showed us very clearly there are two different roads. There is one road that is broad, and that's where many people travel. Unfortunately, that road leads to destruction, and that's where the big crowds go. There's another road, Jesus said, that's narrow, and the good news is this road leads to life. The bad news is only a few people have the courage to leave the broad road and enter the narrow road. When you do leave the crowd, which is where normal people go, I used to find comfort in being with the crowd. If everybody's going this way, it must be the right way to go. When you have the courage, though, to leave the road that leads to destruction, get on the narrow road that leads to life, the people on the broad road will say, you're a little bit weird, but we'll find comfort in that because normal isn't working. If you're taking notes, kind of a key thought for the series is if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. Could I get a little participation at all of our campuses? When it comes to finances, how many of you would agree that normal is broke, normal is paycheck to paycheck, normal is debt and always struggling? How many would say that is normal? How many of you want something better than normal financially? When it comes to relationships, I bet you would agree. Normal is divorce, as many marriages in my country end up divorced as those that stay together. Those that do stay together, unfortunately, it's normal just to stay together for the sake of the children. It's normal to be filled with guilt, with regret, and all sorts of fears when it comes to relationships. How many of you want something better than normal? When it comes to life, what is normal today? It's normal just trying to make it, just trying to make it to next month, hoping for a better house and maybe a nice vacation. Keep the kids out of jail if you can, and maybe you'll be lucky enough to be able to retire at the age of 65 or 70 so you can play golf or garden for the rest of your life. How many of you say, I believe God has something better than a normal life for me, and I want it? If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, peace, joy, security, a life of meaning and of destiny and a sense of pleasing God, then you will have to do what few people do. It's time to get a little bit weird. Uh, I had a, a jump start on being weird. I was weird as a kid, and it kind of gave me a foundation of weirdness that has followed me through my life. When I was six years old, my, uh, my parents hired a professional magician to come in and do a birthday party for me, and I was so intrigued by magic, I actually took up um, doing magic. And by the time I was 10 years old, a lot of people don't believe this, but I was actually doing professional magic shows for birthday parties. And you can only imagine how much my friends made fun of me for this. Groeschel, the magician, oh, you're so weird. What are you going to do? Make us disappear? 
And so they made fun of me for being weird. In fact, in case you don't believe me, I do have some pictures to show you. This is the real evidence. There I am with my little sister with matching weird outfits and my little weird rabbit. This was me doing a magic show outside, pulling streets of yarn out of my mouth. This is me being flocked by women after the show, which has been a, a challenge for me all through my life. It's just the cross that I bear for being weird in such an awesome way. And you can only imagine how people made fun of me, like, you're weird, you do magic shows, you're weird. And so my mom and dad, they tried to drive this thought into my heart, which maybe you've heard from parents. A lot of parents will say, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different, Craig. And what I hope that you'll embrace is the truth that not only is it okay to be different, but when you're led by the Spirit of God, it is way, 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 way better to be different because normal is broke, normal is overwhelmed, normal is broken relationship, normal is fear. Quite honestly, normal is sin. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Normal is where the crowd is going, and I pray you have the courage to exit the broad path, get on the narrow road following Jesus. The normal people will call you weird, but you won't care because normal isn't working and being different is not just okay, it's way, 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 way better. Here's what God said. It's recorded in 1 Peter 1.16. God told us to be something. I'd love for you to all to participate. What did God tell us to be? God said to be holy. Why? Because I am holy. God said to be holy. Now, for me, years and years of my life, the word holy was very intimidating to me. I thought of like a priest as being holy. I thought of massively religious people, but not me, because I knew my impure thoughts, I knew my actions that weren't holy. But what I wanna do is give you a little more context to the meaning of the word holy, and this may be uh, an important thought for you. The word holy comes from the root Greek word hagios. And besides holy, this word means to be pure, it means to be set apart. It literally means to be different. God says to be holy because I am holy. God says in this very impure world, you be pure. God says to be set apart. You're not normal. You're going to be different. God says don't be like the rest of the world, but be different. And here's the key. Those of you that are seriously following Christ, where you're not just Christian in name, but you truly want to give honor to God in the way you live. When you follow his teachings, Jesus will lead you off of the broad path onto the narrow one, and your goal is not weird for weird's sake. Your goal is to please God, and when you're striving to please God, he will set you apart, you will be different, and the rest of the world will call you weird. And the moment you leave that path, you're going to be smacked in the face with people who are going to make fun of you. Where are you going? Stay with us. Here's where the normal people are. Don't be different. Don't be weird. You used to be cool. Stay with us. And you'll be hit with this pressure to conform to the norm. David was in the Old Testament. I, I want to show you some great verses from Psalm 69, verses 9 through 12. David said this to God. He said, God, passion 
for your house has consumed me. Passion for what matters to you. I love when you read David in the Psalms. There's this sense of God, I want to serve you and you alone. I want my whole life to count for you. I want to worship you all day long. Passion for the things that matter to you. That's what matters to me. It's consumed me. And he goes on to say, and the insults of those who insult you, God, have what? They've fallen on me. In other words, God, I am so much on your side that when people shoot arrows at you, they're going to hit me because I'm right there with you. He goes on to say in verse 10, when I weep and fast, and he did a lot of that for the state of the nation, when I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, what do the people do? Everybody, what do they do? They make fun of me. And I love verse 12. He says, I am the favorite topic of the town gossip, and all the drunks sing about me. Here's the deal. If you think you're weird and there's no drunk people making up songs about you, you can get a lot weirder. When you leave the broad road and you follow Christ on the narrow road, People are going to mock you. They're going to call you weird. I want you to remember this. When God leads you in that way, whatever you do, don't get stuck in the bucket. Let me say it again. Don't get stuck in the bucket. Some of you are saying, what in the world does that mean? That is my weird introduction to my next illustration. Work with me. Don't get stuck in the bucket. Uh, try this sometime. If you're ever at a beach, just get a little bucket and put a bunch of sand crabs into the bucket, and you'll watch that you don't have to put a lid on the bucket to keep the crabs in because the crabs will do all the work for you. Whenever one little crab decides, I'm sick of the bucket, I'm sick of hanging out with crabs, and I want to be free, crab one will start to climb out, and another crab will say, no, you don't, and he'll grab him by the crab butt and pull his little crab butt <laughs> back down into the bucket, and it'll happen every single time. And I can promise you, as soon as you feel the Spirit of God leading you off the normal road into a God-honoring road, there's going to be a lot of crabby people reaching for you saying, don't leave us. Come back to normal. Where do you think you're going? You may be wondering, why do crabs do that? And the answer is, nobody knows. <laughs> because crabs don't talk, and we can't figure it out at all. Why do people do that? Because there's comfort in the crowd. Don't leave us. Some of you, you're growing in your passion for Christ. You really want to please him. His word is making you different. You're set apart. But you're going to have to, for the rest of your life, deal with the constant pressure to conform to the norm. All your life, there's going to be a gravitational pull back to the cultural norm, and you will have to fight the drive to conform to the norm. There'll be two different types of pressure. The first one is an inward pressure. The second one is an outward pressure. Let's start with the inward pressure, if you're taking notes. The inward pressure is something that most all of us deal with, and that is the need to please. We want to make other people happy. We don't want them to think we're weird. We want them to like us. We want to blend in. We want to be normal. In fact, if I were being really, really honest, the need to please 
has been one of the biggest obstacles in my own life in truly serving God because whenever I feel like God is leading me to do something, the very first thought that drops into my mind is, well, what are the people going to think? I mean, what are my friends going to say? Well, this is, this is kind of different, and, and are they going to make fun of me, and are they going to understand, and what are the people going to think? Scripture addresses this problem very clearly in Proverbs 29, verse 25. The Bible says that fear of man, fear of what people will do to me or what are they going to think of me, fear of man will prove to be a what, everybody? It will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You may want to circle that word snare on your notes, and you can write this little Hebrew word out to the side of it. It's the word mokesh, M-O-Q-U-E-S-H. Mokesh is a Hebrew word, and this word, it means a trap. It means a snare. Literally, the way this word could be translated is it was a hook that was put into an animal's nose. It was a trap or a snare. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a bull that has one of those rings in the nose and then you've got a rope and you can, you can take a big old bull and you can just yank that bull around because it's in the nose. Fear of man, it will prove to be like a hook in your nose. It'll hook you like this. Now I know some of you are going, that's disgusting. I want you to know that I do this all for the glory of God because you will remember this. This will stick in your brain. In fact, you may not be able to get this out of your brain and it will remind you that fear of man will be a snare because God will lead you to do something that others will think is weird. God might lead you to turn off the television and not watch TV anymore because it takes up so much time, it robs you from time with your family, and so you just decide to do this, but as soon as you do, you're gonna wonder, what are people gonna think if I don't watch TV and I don't know what's going on with the latest soap opera in the world? Or God may lead you to dress modestly in a very immodest world where all the styles are immodest. You may think, I wanna dress modestly, but then you wonder, what are they gonna think if I'm not showing my half-naked body at church to worship God like all the other ladies? Or you might say, I believe God is leading us to be a foster parent, and you've already got four kids, and you're wondering, well, what's my mom going to think, and what's my in-laws going to think? Fear of man will prove to be a snare. (laughs) There wasn't really a (laughs) boogie. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. (laughs) Wipe your minds clean. Let's move forward. I can promise you, so many of you are not doing what God has called you to do because you're afraid of what people are going to think. Never forget this. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And that's where some of you live. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? Remember it. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. And surrendering to the opinions of others will draw you back onto the normal road that leads to destruction. I remember when I was an elementary weird, I was in college, a brand new Christian, and I left the broad path. All around me, there were partiers, big time partiers, and because of what went with that, as a new follower of Christ, I stopped partying. And I'm telling you, for a college athlete, for a college frat boy, not to party. That was weird, weird, weird. And I went, honestly, 18 months without 
getting drunk, without drinking, until one day I went to a, a party with some friends and I walked in and there were three girls with the spiritual gift of hot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were good looking and they were very, very drunk and they had these beer goggles on and when they saw me, they went, is that Tom Cruise? <laughs> and my ego went boop, 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 boop. And in just um, within 30 seconds, I entered into the worst, cheesiest beer commercial you could have ever imagined. One of these girls, she reached into her purse and she pulled out a cassette tape. Those of you who are under 20 are saying, what is a cassette tape? <laughs> then she put it into something called a boom box, which I won't even try to explain. Pray for those of us who grew up in the 80s. And she took this cassette tape and pressed play and started playing the soundtrack from the movie Top Gun. And suddenly there's this and someone slid a Coors Light across the table and it came flying at me and I just heard this, drink with us, Tom, drink with us, Tom. And the Coors Light came in and instinctively my hand just shot out and I popped the thing open and took it down like that. And one turned to two and two turned to too many. And I'll never forget looking at myself drunk in the mirror saying, how could you let them take you off the path of pleasing God, and I was devastated because fear of man. What are they gonna think? It proved to be a snare, and it pulled me off of the narrow path onto the road of temptation because becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. That's why parents, you have to teach your kids. You have to. It's not just okay to be different, it's better. Better, 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 better. And when you build these values into your kids, they'll have a strong sense of family identity. You teach them there are some things that as a family we don't do that normal people do. And there are some things that we're going to do that normal people don't do. I'll give you an example. Uh, in my family, years ago, we, we did what normal families did at Halloween. Normal families in my country trick-or-treat on Halloween. You dress up as Scooby-Doo or a princess and you knock and you say, give me candy or I'll trick you. And then you get your candy and you eat it all until you're fat. That's what we do in my country. And so we did that until someone asked me, um, what do you know about the origins of Halloween? And I thought, I don't know. And so I just researched it and I did some real detailed study. And based on what I studied, I recognized there's a lot of darkness behind Halloween. And so I just prayed about it, and I made a very weird decision for our family. And I just told our kids, hey, we used to do this, but we're not going to trick-or-treat anymore. And then I replaced it with something better, which is this massive family party. And at first, my kids were disappointed. Now they feel sorry for all your normal children that just get to go to stupid trick-or-treat and miss the family party, and I replaced it with something better. But my point's not to say you should stop trick-or-treating. That's our custom weird. Most of our friends trick-or-treat, so it's not a, it's your decision. It, that, that was just our weird. I'm not trying to impose my values on you. But what we did is we planted this identity in our children that as Groeschel's, we're not always going to be normal. And we built in this real sense of family identity. Greg Gunn teaches this principle that I love. He says that wherever family identity is strong, peer pressure is going to be weak. But wherever family identity is weak, 
which is normal. Peer pressure is going to be strong. I had no idea just how this would plant a seed into my children where our family identity is very strong. As Groeschel's, we're willing to be different. We embrace that we're different. We, we, we live differently with a passion. And now, as I planted those seeds in a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, now that my oldest daughter is 17, when it's absolutely, completely normal for 17-year-old girls to be sexually active, my 17-year-old embraces the fact that she's different, that she doesn't date, that she's never kissed a guy, that she's saving herself for marriage, and when I asked her, do you mind me sharing that, she smiled, Dad, of course not. I want everybody to know it's better to be different. I'm telling you, I praise God for a 17-year-old girl that says, I am proud to be a virgin and I am setting myself aside. For the record, one day I will bless some man to marry her. And I want you to know, you're going to be the luckiest guy alive and you are not good enough for her, just so you'll know. Because here is a girl that embraces, embraces. It's not only okay to be different, it's way, 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 way better. You've got to deal with that inward need to please. Fear of man, it'll prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. There's the inward pressure, the need to please, and there's the outward pressure. If you're taking notes, it's one word, and that is criticism. It's feeling the pressure from the outside when the normal people on the broad road hurled insults at you for being on the narrow road. Hey, what's up with you? Come back here. Uh, what are you doing going to church all the time, you churchy guy? Who do you think you're going to church? What are you going to prayer meeting for again? That's stupid prayer meeting. Why are you going to stupid prayer meeting? Well, what, are you, what are you going to serve the homeless for? There's always going to be poor people with us. Why are you wasting your time? Hey, why don't you go to the movie with us? Why are you you're not going to the movie with us because it's got bad stuff in it. What are you, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes? Come on. We used to smoke weed together. Come back. So, oh, I get it. You think you're better than us, huh? You're Mr. Holier than thou. And they will make fun of you, and they will criticize you, and they will persecute you. And when they do, you remember the words of Jesus. John 15, verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Because if you belong to the world, if you were normal, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. You're different. You're an alien. You're a stranger. You're weird. I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Verse 20, the middle of the verse, help me out. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, what are they going to do? Everybody, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Get ready for it. Get ready. It's a part of being different. It's a part of being set apart. It's a part of being pure. It's a part of leaving the normal road that leads to destruction and getting on the narrow road that leads to life. Normal's not working, and normal people don't like when you do something different. Here's the thing for me, honestly, I find great comfort when people make fun of me. I really do. I love it when they make fun of our church for being different because my goal is not to start a normal church. I love it. I love when people hurl uneducated, 
criticism at us, it doesn't bother me at all. I love when I'm criticized. I like to be criticized in many areas. One of my favorite areas for people to make fun of me is my financial philosophy. Because 20 some odd years ago when I met Amy, we just decided we weren't gonna be broke. We just made a decision that we were not gonna live beyond what we could afford. We'd live beneath our means. We would be debt free, therefore we could go wherever God called us to go and not be bound by a certain salary. So we lived weird, I mean weird, weird, weird. We had the goal of being debt free, including our house, by the time I was 28. And we hit the goal on my 28th birthday and paid off our house, which wasn't hard because our house was in the hood, baby, and it didn't cost a lot of money. But it was a debt free home in the hood and we could afford a security system because we were debt free. And we didn't, we didn't buy what normal people bought. Uh, at birthdays and Christmas, we had a $5 budget to give presents to our family members. Oh, they made fun of us. They, it was so bad, we eventually raised it to $8 just to splurge on them. <laughs> but we were getting out of debt, baby. We didn't buy new clothes. I mean, for the, for the first significant portion of our marriage, we would only buy used clothes, and that was before buying old clothes was cool. In fact, I would have shown you pictures, but Amy said she would never ever divorce me, but she would kill me if I showed you pictures. <laughs> our clothes were so, so bad. Uh, for our whole marriage, we've been weird. We don't buy each other presents to this day. We don't buy each other uh, Christmas presents, birthday presents, anniversary presents, Valentine's stupid day presents, because we, <laughs> love each other every day of the year, so why in the world, some of you tightwad husbands are going, glory to God, hallelujah, my pastor said. Now, that's just us weird, that's not you weird, that's just us weird because we just love each other and we don't have to prove it by spending money on something else, and so we've been debt free for a long time, and so now what's funny is I get criticized on the other side of finances. Now, after last week I just announced we're giving away the royalties of this book again, you wouldn't believe how many people who love me said, what are you doing, Groeschel? You got six kids, you got college, you got weddings, quit doing that. Don't give your money away, keep it, do something for yourself. And now I'm criticized for generosity when I used to be considered criticized for being a tight one. Our church, all the time, they criticize. Well-meaning pastors, why do you give your resources away for free? That's stupid. Oh, why, why do you, why do you uh, make the Bible app available for free to millions of people? Just charge a dollar for it. Why do you let 150 other churches watch your messages for free? You should charge, you're gonna devalue the product. And I just smile back and say, Jesus gave his life for me. Salvation cost me nothing. And that never devalues the blood he shed for me. Criticize away. Criticize away. I find comfort in being called weird, and I pray you do as well, because when you follow Christ, you will leave the normal road. You will be on the narrow road, and people will criticize you for being weird. And I would say to you, don't worry when they criticize you for being weird. Worry when they don't. Because if they don't, chances are you are way too normal. You're way too normal. You're way too normal. If, if I'm telling you, if no one makes fun of you for the way you follow Christ, you're just blending in and traveling with the crowd. Don't worry when they call you weird. Worry when they don't. Here's the deal. I, I hope you'll hear this. I don't, I don't want you to follow somebody else's weird. God didn't have a cookie cutter weird. He has a custom weird for you. 
Don't, well, Craig and Amy, they homeschool their six kids, and we've only got three. We better find three more somewhere and homeschool. No, 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 no. That's our custom weird. That's, that's not yours. You seek God, and he's going to lead you to do weird stuff. It may be uh, drive an old clunker car because you're getting out of debt, or downsize because that's what God has called for you, or fast because there's a problem. You've got a sick relative, and you're going to fast on their behalf. Or I don't know what it is. It might be that um, you're going to uh, adopt kids, or you're going to serve in the inner city, or you're coming out of the party scene. And so you're not going to be in the party scene because you're still tempted. They're like, you're weird. And then years later, you get really strong, and you go back into that drug-addicted environment with Christ uh, inside of you, and you tell other people, come out of there. And then some of your Christian friends are like, that's weird. Why are you going back in there? You follow God. And when you do, you're going to be persecuted. And when you are, you remember this, Matthew 5, verse 10. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. You rejoice. I'll tell you honestly. I honestly rejoice when people hurl uneducated insults at me. Criticisms, uh, thing, they know nothing. You know what? Praise God in heaven that I am doing something that draws attention from those who do not know. And I am considered even in the same category of being persecuted for the one who gave his life for me. I pray you're persecuted. I pray people don't understand. I pray that you are different. And you have to remember this. You can live your whole life trying to please people. Write this down. But you can't please everyone no matter what you do. But remember, you can please God. You cannot, no matter how hard you try, please everyone, but you can please God. Paul said, for we speak as messengers who've been what? Everybody who've been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to what? He said, our purpose is to please God, not people. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Fear of people will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. When you follow Christ, you will be different. You will be holy, you will be set apart, and you will be persecuted. Do not worry when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Worry when you're not. Find comfort when they call you weird because normal isn't working. And you know when led by the Spirit, weird is way better than normal. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your Spirit would direct us off of the broad path that leads to destruction and that we would be different for your name's sake. All of our churches, as you're praying today, many of you are going to recognize that you're way too normal and you truly crave, not to be weird for weird's sake, but you crave to live a life that would honor God. And if the byproduct is weird, then so be it. In fact, deep down, you may want a little bit of weird or a lot of weird because you know normal isn't working. God, we want to please you. We want to live for you. If that's you today and you recognize there's more normal than there should be and you want more of God to please him, if the world calls you weird, so be it. God, 
I want to live to please you. That's you today. All of our churches, lift your hands high right now. Just lift them up high. Lift them up high and say, that's me. God, I thank you for those today who are truly serious about pleasing you. I pray you would give them the strength by the power of your spirit to fight the desire to conform to the norm. God, overwhelm them with the sense that they can please you and they live for an audience of one rather than for people who change with the wind. God, I pray that they would be driven to please you above all else. And God, at the end of their lives, when they stand before you, you will look at them and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray, God, for courage to follow the direction that you lead to their own custom weird, to be different and set apart in the way that you call them to be. And I pray that others would be intrigued even, asking questions, why are you so weird? And they could introduce loved ones to the weird life of following Christ and pleasing him. As you keep praying today, all of our churches, I want you to do this, if you will. Everybody look up at me. Nobody looking down, nobody's eyes closed, everybody's eyes open. There are many of you that what's standing between you and a fully surrendered life to Christ is the fear of what other people think. This kept me from Christ for I don't know how many years. I was so afraid. If I wholly surrendered to him, first of all, people are going to make fun of me because I called myself a Christian, and I wasn't. I had a head knowledge of Christ, but not a heart relationship with him, and people would have made fun of me. I feared if I fully follow him, what if he leads me to do something weird? What if I try to live a good life and then I fall back into my own patterns? And this fear of what people thought kept me from following him. There are many of you, if you're really honest, you're gonna recognize and you're gonna admit today, I am not walking with Christ. I am not serving him. And you're gonna understand the weirdest way to save the world is for a good God to become like us in the person of his son Jesus, to be born without sin, live without sin, die for our sins, be risen again, and when you call on his name, he will hear your prayer, forgive your sins, and you will become a new creation. All the old is gone, and everything will become new. You're going to do that today in front of a bunch of people. And when you do, I'm telling you, you're going to be different because your life is no longer your own. And you're going to confess before man today because Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. And if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. So in spite of the fact that many people will call you weird, today is the day you're going to say publicly, Jesus, I'm not walking with you. Save me. I'm ready to give my life to you. If they call me weird, I don't care. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I'm sick of normal. Normal is not working. Jesus, today publicly before you and all people, I give my life to you. That's your prayer today. All of our campus, doesn't matter if they call you weird, lift your hands high now. Lift them high now. Lift them high now. Leave them up. Lift them up high now. Leave them up. I want to look at you. One, two, three. All of you right here together, praise God for you. And right over here, all three of you back here, sir, hand held high. God bless you, sir, right back here. Praise God for you. Way back there, sir, in this section. Ma'am, right back here. I want to look at you, ma'am, right back over there, sir. Praise God for you. Others today, sir, right here. God bless you. Others right back over here. Yes, welcome, ma'am, into the family of God. Others of you say yes, right over here. Praise God for you, sir. Welcome into God's family. All of you right here, big smiles on your face, you weirdos, you weirdos, you weirdos for Christ. Others of you today say, me too, save me. Right back here, Jesus, take all of my life. I'm ready to serve you. Everybody pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you. 
My life is not my own. Set me apart. Make me different. Make my life count. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, let it rip. Worship a good God. Welcome those today born into the family of God.